0: grant, O Lord, that thy word only may be spoken, and thy word only may be received. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This morning, my brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, we read the first lesson, a lesson from the Old Testament, where we hear a story that is for many quite disturbing. The story is entitled The Binding of Isaac or is known as The Binding of Isaac and it tests our faith. It causes some to call into question the very goodness of God. Others may feel it is an instance in which God is being petty and uncaring. Every person, however, who reads this story is forced to wrestle with it. ...forced to try and come to grips with what is going on between God and Abraham. Nonetheless, this is one of the most important stories in the Old Testament. Christians look at this story as a foreshadowing... uh, ...foretelling of the crucifixion of Jesus... ...as a prototype of the crucifixion of Jesus. And as a story that gives us a tremendous amount of insight... ...into the ways of God and how we relate with it. Now, to begin to understand the binding of Isaac, we must first understand that the story of Abraham is the story of the people of Israel. That is to say, Abraham is much larger than one mere man. It is a story of the history of the nation of Israel and their relationship to their God. Abraham is extraordinary and that he represents not just one man, but an entire people. The story of Abraham begins with a covenant, with a covenant that God makes between he and Abraham. God initiates the covenant and tells Abraham that he will be a great nation and will bring the whole earth to know and to love God. And within the story of Abraham, the story of the beginning of the nation of Israel and their God, Abraham faces ten trials in trying to learn to trust and be obedient to God. In the first trial, Abraham must leave his native land and his kindred and go to a land that God will show him. So Abraham packs up everyone and he moves, his entire kindred and family and people. The second trial comes about by famine, and Abraham flees to Egypt, at which time his wife Sarah is taken into the Egyptian palace from him. In continuing trials, he is made to drive away Hagar and his son Ishmael that he bore with her and drive them into the wilderness to meet what is certain death. Abraham is forced to wage war on foreign kings. He must circumcise himself and all the males in his tribe. He is thrown into a fiery furnace by Nimrod. And if you're interested to know all the 10 trials that are printed in this week's bulletin towards the end, um, I'll leave that to you. But the lesson we learn from the 10 trials of Abraham is not how harsh and cruel the world can be. The lesson we learn from the 10 trials of Abraham is not how harsh and cruel and petty God can be. The lesson we learn from the 10 trials of Abraham is that we are to completely trust And be totally obedient to God. For many of the trials are brought about by Abraham himself. Through his lies and deceit and his taking matters into his own hands. Through his lack of trust in God, he makes matters worse. It is Abraham throughout the story that brings trial and temptation upon himself and upon his people. Now on the tenth and final trial of Abraham, the binding of Isaac... We see a different Abraham. We do not see an Abraham who kicks against the goads. We do not see an Abraham who is reliant upon himself to navigate trials and temptations. In the 10th trial of Abraham, we see an Abraham who has learned to have total and complete trust. Who has learned perfect obedience to God. In this morning's story, we see an Abraham who has everything to lose do something unthinkable insane trust in god when it sounds insane to do so now just what did abraham have to lose isaac was abraham's son but much more than a son isaac is the fruit of the promise of him being a great nation isaac is the vehicle by which this covenant and the entirety and purpose of abraham's life will be made manifest so while it is horrid enough that Abraham is going to offer his son Isaac as a burnt offering, Abraham is also going, setting out to destroy any chance of, of the promise of God in the great nation. When Abraham sacrifices Isaac, his life will have been for nothing. He will die of failure and unremembered. Abraham will have failed God and his people. It's a tremendous amount on the line. And yet Abraham goes willingly and without question and without conversation. Abraham is prepared to carry this command of God out. Prepared to sacrifice his only son. Now we all know that God stops it before it takes place. God tells Abraham, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And from the climax of this story, the author of Genesis tells us something. Tells us what we are to understand. That God's demands are absolute. God's will is inscrutable. And above all, God's final word is mercy and grace. God's final word is mercy and grace. So basically the moral of the story of Abraham is this. When Abraham tries to work for God, when he tries to use brute force, human cleverness, sheer will and determination to make God's will happen, to make a great nation, it ends up in a mess. But when Abraham allows the will of God to work through him, when Abraham cooperates with the sometimes mystical and always mysterious will of God, he always ends up in a state of mercy and a state of grace. The elderly and barren Sarah gives birth to a son. That son is spared and ends up bringing forth the chosen people of God, the nation of Israel. Now if you look at the big picture of the story of Abraham, you can understand this tenth and final trial as the test that shows forth the faith and obedience of Abraham and therefore the faith and obedience of the nation of Israel. And not just a petty testing and showing a power of God. Now that's all fine and good in this extraordinary story, but what does it mean for us? What does it mean for us in our everyday lives who are not Abraham? It's very likely that none of us are called to extraordinary things such as fathering nations to bring the world to God. So what do we ordinary folk take from the story of the binding of Isaac? The first thing is trust and obedience to God. That is to say, the story teaches us to place our trust and obedience in God and not in ourselves. That is what it means to the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel is always to trust and be dependent and obedient to God. That's what it means for us. We should trust and be obedient and dependent on God. How many are the times we take matters in our own hands and not allow God's final word of grace and mercy to prevail. Abraham flees to Egypt when he thinks he cannot feed his family. He lies and gives his wife Sarah away in an attempt to spare life. He sees himself in a bad situation and instead of prayer and reflection and waiting and trust, instead of waiting on the mercy and grace of God to prevail, he strikes out on his own and under sheer will and not God's, Makes a terrible mess. How many times do we find ourselves in difficult times, in times of spiritual famine and uncertainty, and instead of prayerfully waiting God's direction and mercy, we strike out on our own and make matters worse, or worse, we leave God altogether? The lesson we are to learn from this is that we are not God. God is God. When we try to live without God's grace and God's mercy, it ends up in a horrid mess. We must always, therefore, prayerfully wait and discern God's will and direction for our lives. That is uh, living a life of prayer and reading of Scripture, a life of attending church, participation in the sacraments. God's will will come. Sometimes it is not what we wish or want to hear. Sometimes it is not as fast as we would like it. But we must remember at all times that we are not God. We must learn to obey and trust in God and not in ourselves. Now there's a second lesson we can and should take from the story of the binding of Isaac. And it deals with the worth and character of a person. Abraham is remembered and honored, both in Jewish and Christian faiths, as the father of Israel, the father of faith, the patriarch of patriarchs. But if we look not at the complete story of Abraham, but at slices of Abraham's life, you will find a deranged man sacrificing his son. A man lying about who he is and who he is married to. A man making a complete mess and siring illegitimate children. Now, again, his story is extraordinary, but it points to judgment. We must be careful and vigilant not to judge others by slices or single events of their lives. It's all too easy to cast someone away by one action or one time period as being horrid or worthless. When in fact, they are loved by God and called to work within his plan. Those whom we judge harshly just might be called to greatness. Nonetheless, those whom we judge harshly are children of God and have the ability to work his will just like us. And to what end, we know not. So this morning, beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, give thanks for the example of Abraham, our father in faith. Give thanks for Abraham who shows us what it is to be obedient and faithful to God. And let us work to remember that we ourselves are not God and work to submit to his mercy and his grace and his will for our lives. And let us pray that we may not judge others. For all are children of God and might be called to great things. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.